Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched X-Men Apocalypse, directed by Brian Singer and released in 2016. The plot of the movie goes something like this. In 1983, the X-Men take on the world's first and most dangerous mutant, Apocalypse, who has been awakened from a 5,000-year sleep. This movie is out at cinemas at the moment, so you should probably go and watch it and then come back and listen to the podcast because we will be talking about spoilers. Okay. So, I quite like this. I are, you ready? are you ready yeah. for the blasphemy? Uh, yes, but, I, but firstly, I liked it. I liked this better than Civil War. What? I had, a, I had more fun watching this movie than I had watching Civil War. Oh. And I think it's just because of, like, largely because of expectations. I expected a lot more <laughs> out of Civil War than I got, and I expected this to be exactly what it was, so I had a really good time watching it. Mm, I had probably about as much fun as watching Civil War, but Civil War contained a few people I would like to sleep with, so... <laughs> <laughs> this contained a few people that I would like to sleep with, except one of them was in blue makeup the whole time. Um, yeah, but I, th- I, th- I still think yeah. did a good job. Man. I yeah, I I I'm, I probably think I like them about equally. Um, but I definitely had a really good time. Brian Singer makes a good X Men movie, and the newer the the new old X Men movies, the ones set in the seventies and eighties, this one First Class and Days of Future Past, have all been really good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I. Yeah, I got exactly what I wanted out of this movie. I think they're rehashing some old um, ideas with the storylines and stuff, but I kind of don't care because well, I enjoy them. And I like these characters and I like can see them again. And my God, Kurt was freaking adorable. I love that character. Nightcrawler is like one of my favorites. I used to love him when he was played by Alan Cumming as well. Yeah, he he's great. Actually, he's one of that's one of the best bits of, I think is it the second movie that Alan Cumming plays Nightcrawler? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one of the best bits of that movie. He will, I just, I mean, he's got a really good look and really cool powers, but also like just by virtue of what the character is all about, he's interesting um, more than some of the other ones. Like mm. he's this, you know, circus performer, but he's also really religious and He's really positive, but, you know, he looks the way he does. And there's, there's lots of, like, contradictions within the character. Mm. Um, and I think Cody Smith-McPhee did a really good job and he was just adorable. Mm. I really enjoyed him. Mm. Uh, yeah. Not to harp on about Marvel comparisons, but now you've got me thinking about it. I, I am thinking about it. I, what I really enjoyed about this one and some of the others is the real – the characters feel really human and fallible. Mm. They re- I really do feel um, not just their frailty but, like, their struggles – you know, like you get some of them have to, you know, scrounge and hustle for a living and they have trouble making it in the world because they're so different. And it actually feels very real in a way that sometimes the Marvel characters have gotten to a point where they all feel so superhuman that you never think about think about them having to worry about paying rent or anything. But these characters, I, I genuinely feel like I, I can understand why Angel and Nightcrawler get into these underground fights because, you know. Well, Nightcrawler, I think, uh, did not intend to get into that no fight. no he but you can understand kidnapped and put right into but it. you can understand him having like this hard scrabble life mm-hmm. and you genuinely feel that about them and and uh i liked um i i think it's been a huge benefit to these movies to have jennifer lawrence in them and have to try and work her into them in bigger roles because <laughs> mystique has such an interesting journey in this one where mm-hmm. she doesn't like she's got this reluctant hero thing going on where everybody looks up to her because of what happened in the mm. previous movie. All these m- mutants are looking up to her, but she doesn't want to be the face of this movement. She doesn't want to be their hero and she has to kind of take on this leadership mantle and it sits uncomfortably on her and mm. then she ends up being good at it. I really enjoyed that. It was a really good Jennifer Lawrence role. It's reminiscent of Katniss a bit in that sense of 
not necessarily wanting to take on this mantle but taking it on anyway. But it's also it feels a bit like Jennifer Lawrence herself, sort of the reluctance movie star kind of thing. The mm. the sort of the girl who found the ordinary girl who found herself in the middle of all this crazy and on the way along the way actually learned a few things. I, I and it also felt um she gives a real like there's life experience behind this character. You feel you can feel she's only about like five years older than the kids in the school. Well, the actress feel, is the character is significantly yeah. older than that. <laughs> but you um, feel yeah. But the aging of these characters yeah, is, is really who, odd. Who knows how that works? But she's you know she the actress herself is probably only yet yeah, five or so years older than the kids who are playing the teenagers. But you genuinely feel, even though you, you genuinely feel that extra life experience, the years of being mystique and of living in that body. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's, it's fun to have the three kind of central characters as well. So you've got Charles, who is like the upright, moral, righteous guy all the time, right? And not in the last one, but but most of the time that's who he is. And then you've got mystique, who's somewhere in the middle, who's kind of out for herself, but she'll... Um, she accepts these kind of uh, um, heroic moments when she's presented with them. She mm. will try and do the right thing. And then you've got Eric, who most of the time is really out for himself. So it's really interesting to see the three of them. I did not like the fridging in this movie. Eric's whole backstory oh. seems to be just fridgings. Isn't it awful? Wasn't it awful? And they died in such a stupid way as well. And like, it's such an obvious way. Like, as soon as they show up, you're like, oh, they're going to die. Yeah. And, well, exactly. You can't have Eric wandering around with a wife and daughter. Um, But th- they die in such a stupid way. They get shot by a bow and arrow, which, like, probably wouldn't have even killed the daughter, but apparently it kills both of them. Yeah. like. In this day and age, a bow and arrow is probably not going to kill you because we've got antibiotics and stuff. And also, it's not, you know. Well, 83, but still. Yeah, but in 983, you, you had to love that 83 technology with the giant robots and Cerebro yeah. and all that jazz. Right. But 1983, they had like antibiotics and stuff, which is the real danger of being shot by an arrow is like your wound getting infected. That's seriously the worst that would happen. That probably wouldn't have killed them. But anyway, whatever. It I went know. through her. I don't know. Maybe it hit both of them in the heart yeah, just by magic. Who knows? Um, it was a very. It was a stupid death as well as because it made me do that whole. I don't know that that arrow would actually kill them. Kind of. Oh, I've yeah. I've been watching some cinema sins lately, and I was sitting cinema sinning the hell out of this movie. There's one moment when um, Kurt and uh, Jean Grey and the um someone else scott is it scott that's with them probably i don't know you have to tell me the moment because somebody tell uh, when kurt teleports them onto the helicopter Mm. and they get into the helicopter and there's four people unconscious Mm. and that's um that's hank mystique mystique and the the moira oh yeah sorry hank mystique moira and um uh and someone would it be charles no no, charles Charles has been kidnapped by oscar isaac at that point no, no, there's there's four of them. Oh, it's Quicksilver. Yes, yeah. So right. Scott is with the other ones. Um, yes, yeah, so Scott. Scott yeah, those why three. Why is Scott Summers so terrible? He's just the worst character. <laughs> like every time he opens his mouth, I'm like, shut up, Scott. Shut up, Scott. Shut up, Scott. I don't care. Um, his that, that brother can, was so much better. And that he does. Died. Well, that does continue on from the first lot of movies where Scott was also annoying. Um, and the comics where Scott is annoying. I yeah. understand that. I just don't understand how we're ever supposed to like this guy. He's one of our heroes, and yet he's the worst. Yeah, I didn't hate him in this one. And his older brother was such so preppy and I was like, oh, he's so awful. See, I don't I like Havoc. I quite liked him in the other one too. I mean, he's he's kind of he's gonna play the new MacGyver, by the way, Lucas Till. That is um, such great casting. 
But yeah, he, uh, I don't mind him. I liked him a lot better than Scott, at least. Scott just drives me crazy. But anyway, mm. um, I, did, I, I didn't a- actually mind Scott. And I, I was, I mean, I like James, um, Marsden, who's, yeah, in the other movies. I, I love James Marsden. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, I just don't like Scott as a character. Mm. Um, no, there's, um, a bit where they were on the helicopter, but went, went, then we cut away to, to Apocalypse making Charles give that message to everybody. Yep. And then we cut back and they're inside the facility. The four who were captured were are in a cage and the other guys are just running around the facility. And I'm like, what? Because they, they couldn't use their powers because of some electrical field in the helicopter, but we don't actually see them get off the helicopter, so we don't know how they escaped that particular I was, predicament. I also was wondering about that. Because yeah. like, did they just like how how did they wouldn't have been able to hide when they opened the cage in the hel- well because but they it got onto the helicopter somehow without being seen so right because perhaps- they turned the helicopter when t- they turned the helicopter on that's when the cage went up so they must have landed so- turned the helicopter off and then Jean yeah. hid them again but why didn't she hide all, all of them, them or I guess because they knew they were four there so they would look I don't know yeah but it just it it we don't see that happen so it's like mm. well we don't get to see them actually no get into I, this I also was asking questions about that. Um, yeah, that was a weird cut, a weird scene to cut. I'm assuming they shot it and they cut it for time, but mm-hmm. it was a bad scene to cut. But they did have, that did follow up with the best use of Wolverine, I think, in any of these, like, what teen it, movies. It was a brilliant Wolverine cameo. Loved it. Yeah, because he's only in for a few minutes. He tears up the place. Then there's just a little tiny bit of angst and a weirdly um, pedophilic vibe with him and Jean because yeah. she's very young in this. But mm-hmm. still, little tiny bit of angst. Then he shoots off into the... yeah. Into the snow. Perfect. Yep. Exactly. I loved seeing um, Hugh Jackman in his shorts shooting off into the snow as well because we just watched <laughs> Eddie the Eagle where he wand- spends the whole movie wandering around in the snow in like a shirt and jeans. Um, what got me was like he comes – he steps out of this cage and it's only his feet and they're bare mm. and it starts scrolling <laughs> – starts going up and I'm like, is he naked? I know. <laughs> I was like – well, because he was naked in the last one, remember? I was so disappointed. Because it was a bit – was a, he made a whole fuss about it in the last one. About him being naked when he gets out of bed back in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. I just it was funny to me. Um, but yeah, uh, I um, I, I think you know, there's certain characters that get kind of shortchanged. Angel was one of them mm. in this one. He just yep. didn't have anything, and it's it's only I only noticed it because there was an angel character played by Ben Foster in uh, X Men Three that yes. was like one of the best things yes. about that movie because it's Ben Foster who is an incredibly underrated actor, by the way. I don't know what he's up to at the moment, but he's constantly appearing in like movies where he gives one amazing performance and the whole rest of the movie is terrible. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of, Angel didn't have any personality really apart from, grr. Mm. Um, and it wasn't really, I can't remember what happened to him at the end either. Like, oh, he died. He was, oh. um, he, he, he was killed in the, uh, the plane crash. Oh, right. Of course. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and Psylocke also got shortchanged, I think. I it, well, I, I was thinking that because Psylocke and Storm didn't really get to show off anything until the last battle. Well, Storm gets to switch sides at least. Yes. Um, but also Sy- Storm was implied to be not very powerful at the beginning of the movie and Apocalypse gives her a lot of her powers. Mm. Um, but, yeah, at least she gets to switch sides and be and there, a good Yeah, guy. there's a story there. But even but Psylocke has more of a story, story than Angel. Um she but does have not, more of a story. Not as much as I wanted her to have because she's cool and purple and I like her. That cracked me up because, like, the uh, uh, 
You know how uh, Apocalypse, like his color in this movie is purple, like mm-hmm. his power color is purple, and then he travels she, by in a purple bubble. Yeah, yeah, we can't all come and go by bubble. I said that during. Oh, the movie. I, me too. I was, I was, I've been waiting till I saw you so I could say we can't all come and go by bubble about um, Apocalypse. Yeah, that that cracked me up. But yeah, no, they they go everywhere by bubble, and um, but she she brings out her purple sword, like her yeah, purple yeah. mind sword or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and Apocalypse looks at it. I literally thought. Ooh, purple. I'll take her. <laughs> like, that's my color. I'll take her. Yeah. Um, it cracked me up. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I did a lot of, uh, I mean, you know, I was kind of laughing at this movie as well as watching it, but it was still fun. Yeah. It, for its sins, as they are, as, as it were, there, it is still a lot, lot of fun. You can overlook a lot of that stuff because you are having a good time. And, and I care about the characters. I like these characters. I'm invested in them. Um, there were a couple of things that I thought were genuinely stupid that I didn't like. One of them was Jean Grey mind powersing Charles back to life. That was stupid and it frustrated me. Um, and that seemed in keeping with the other movies. That's all to me. And it seemed in keeping with how they use Jean Grey. It just seemed like Fast and the Furious but to me. I, but I also, um, I really appreciated what they did with Jean. Like the Jean got to unleash a phoenix powers at the end. That was weird though because it's a bit early for that. But still, yeah. Right, but, well, it's kind of her getting used to the idea that those powers are there. I liked that she got to do that. It felt to me like it was one of the best treatments that Jean Grey has had in the movies. Mm, It is, yeah. Um, It's a shame that Famke Anson didn't get to play something like that. But, Mm. you know, um, I I thought Sansa was all right. I don't remember the actress's name. I'm sorry. Sophie Turner. Thank you. I thought she was all right, but I don't feel like she has – I think she's a bit watery. Well, I mean, I think this is – she might not have that kind of presence yet. She certainly yeah. doesn't have I – mean, I, she looked good and she is meant to be the teenage version of Jean Grey. But, yeah, you, I think she might be lacking like a screen presence at the moment. She's kind of a TV actor making her first big steps into films and Jean Grey is kind of the, you know, the big star of the – meant to be the big star. So it's sort of – she's not quite at that level yet. Yeah, and she was up with a lot of people who are at that level so she kind of needed to – Pick it up, mm. especially when she's having a big battle with Oscar Isaac, who, who? like ha- is covered in blue paint and a costume he can barely move in, and still acts like half so the other people off the screen. Good. He was so good. I'm really, really glad he's he's all done in makeup and costume. That whole outfit, and I I so appreciated it because he's meant his performance is so much better because you can really see his eyes, and you really you know he's he's doing the he's doing what he can under that makeup. You feel the performance coming through. There's a couple of scenes where um, where I think Jennifer Lawrence's makeup was CG and it's a bit, they're a bit weird and awkward, but every single one of Oscar Isaac's, he's in makeup and you can, it really tells. Yeah, there's certain parts that uh, I think some of the contacts looked very uncomfortable to me. Mm. Um, je- like there's the ca- uh, caravan guy. I know that's wrong. Tom's going to cr- be cranky with me because I called him caravan like five times and he told me caravan. the right name. Um, the, the bald guy who looks like Richard O'Brien from Rocky Horror Picture Show, who, um, was like Psylocke's boss underground guy. Oh, oh, no, he kept saying his name. Like, he said his name, like, it was something like Caravan. No, 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 it's, it's Caliban. There you go. Thank you. Like the Tempest. Okay. I, I, I genuinely didn't hear him most of the time. I kept forgetting. I keep calling him Caravan. That name has racial overtones as well. So, anyway. Okay. What was I going to say? I don't remember. Um, oh yeah, his his contacts looked very uncomfortable. 
He mm. looked very young, and they they didn't seem to go all the way to the edges of his eyes. And I was like, oh my god. Mm. Um, and so did um Kurtz. Kurtz looked very uncomfortable too. The whole makeup looked pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, his teeth looked. Yeah, really uncomfortable I mean, as well. Cody Smith McPhee's a pretty decent actor, but he was like, uh, they, 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 there were times when he really struggled under all that makeup. Yes, but the character's so adorable; it uh, shone through for me. I would like to see more Jubilee. She's so adorable, and I want like all of the Jubilee. Well, all of she the time. was so cute. Her little eighties hair, and she there was like a, they, you know, she went out with Scott and Hank was hanging out with him, and then. But after the big explosion, she doesn't get to go on adventures with them all. Yeah, I know. It's that strange. made me sad. I, I, um, yeah. I, didn't know she, she I think didn't. she's – I feel like she was projected as younger than them and so she couldn't join the X-Men at the end so she wasn't in the big fight. Maybe, So maybe yeah. she'll get more to do next time. Um, yeah. It would have been nice to see Because I feel like she was she was meant to be younger. Right. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it did. It did kind of make me sad that she didn't get to have as much to do, especially since she really embraced the eighties, uh, the eighties um, aesthetic was of the movie. So adorable, but it also would have meant that in the final fight there would have been the in the final fight there are only two women of color and they're both on the bad side to start with. There were none with the good guys. True. So that would have also balanced those. But the gender balance in this is much better than Civil War. Oh, so much! It's like there are like women who have different powers and do different things, and there are multiple bad women and multiple good women. Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And exactly. multiple women of color. Yeah, um, we get another really great um, Quicksilver set piece, oh, which always so makes me happy. good. So this good. is the best Quicksilver the, by yeah, far. This best is definitely Quicksilver. the superior Quicksilver. But also, Evan Peters does a really good job in this role. Like his little awkward asides and and the way he kind of he wants to you know be involved and do the right thing but he's so awkward with it Mm. and he just doesn't seem to know how to do it unless he's running and then when he's running he's like you know knows exactly what he's doing he's moving everybody out of the way yeah that whole bit was really fun um when they're trying to talk magneto out of it and he he just freezes up like he's so he he, but he carries all that so well he carries Mm. all the fun he carries the He's ca- he's got this sort of bit of bitterness about him, but he doesn't let that dominate his personality. But it's it's there. That's you know his his Magneto legacy, I guess. And he he does he carries it all really well. It's very nuanced. Like I mean, the other Quicksilver is good, but this one is also fun. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a definite age weirdness with him though, because oh, this is yeah. ten years later than the first one. He doesn't he hasn't aged a day. <laughs> he hasn't aged a day, and he also hasn't like he seems to be. Is still living in his mother's basement and everything, and you're like, really? Also, Moira, who isn't a mutant, this is twenty years, something like that, after uh, um, first class. Really, I'm she not, does not look. <laughs> I'm not sure. See, I'm basing it on James McAvoy, and I think James McAvoy is like my age or a couple of years older, maybe he's thirty five or something. But and so but, I was thinking that therefore he must that must have been fifteen years because it, see, I always thought first class was the was in the sixties, but I thought it was like the end of the sixties. It was the 60s. It was when, and then, whenever so have, the Cuban Missile Crisis was. Oh, so 62. Yes, it is. It's 20, 21 years earlier. So it's 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 like every 10 years we get one. Like one yeah, of these. So they're supposed to have aged 10 years. So and yet they've come out all within the last like three what? or four. No, yeah, they come every. We did. We reviewed the last one when this this podcast was already on air. So we. So it was two years ago, I think. Right. So, I mean, there's clearly some aging issues here. Yeah. Well, there is a scene with James McAvoy. You can see the grey in his hair. He's going grey like me. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it it is a bit weird because they've only obviously aged five years in real terms and really like somebody who was around in 1962 would look much older in 1983. Yeah. 
like around and working as a CIA agent. So they would have to be at least 25 or whatever. Even if they're really young, they'd have to be at least 25 then. Yeah. So the difference. And Roseburn is not 45. No, no, she'd be late 30. And they don't try to make anybody look older. It's not no. like they put them in makeup or anything. Everybody. Well, they looks even make exactly a joke about it. She hasn't aged a day. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. That it, it definitely felt weird. Um, but I do like that they are the sort of crux of Eric's um Eric's storyline comes right back to the um him and Charles being boyfriends again. Oh, every single time, every movie, it always yes, comes back to it's this. It's kind of lovely, but I kind of watch it and I'm like, I'm just like this fan fiction writes itself, but also like. You're making this subtext, you know, <laughs> make it text. Uh, but it, it did. It felt there was a bit there where it felt like James McAvoy had to fight Oscar Isaac for his boyfriend, Michael Fassbender. Like, wouldn't you love to see that threesome? Yes, but I also feel like it, all, a lot of the problems with these movies would be solved if they just, you know, the, the all got together with Raven and everybody was happy. That seems yeah. like what the major problem is, right? Like they, yeah. they seem to have this major problem there, but yeah, uh, there's also that whole philosoph- philosophical problem that they have. But we can get past that. Um, yeah, well, uh, I mean, it it does come down to that. Although I, I always like having watched like three movies set over twenty years in five years, I kind of liked the way they bring that journey together of um, of depending on how well, like how good your childhood was, or how good your experiences have been. Like the worse your experiences, the the easier it is for you to get lured to the dark side. The easier it is for you to um, see the worst in people. So like Charles, who's grown up wealthy and, and not a perfectly happy childhood, but he's grown up wealthy and he's had relatively good experiences. He's got this wonderful view of humanity and he's usually able to see the best in people. But then and then you get Mystique, who has had because of being blue, has had all kinds of terrible experiences happen in her life. Uh, but uh, but. And, and so sometimes, you know, she's out for herself, although usually she comes around and usually it's much quicker than Eric, who has had really genuinely terrible experiences happening across his life, like awful trauma. And so... What about Kurt? Well, Kurt has sort of, he has like faith to rely yeah. on. It's a bit like Daredevil. Um, so Kurt has kind of a, a grounding in faith that holds him, but Eric doesn't have that. And There's and a bit in this where Scott was blind and he says something about the school smelling old and I had daredevil flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I, I liked that through line of, you know, um, the way the world has made them as much as anything else, the way the world has made them is why they react the way they do in the situations. It's quite good characterization that's quite consistent. Yeah, I do like that. I, I, I think there are definitely some timeline issues around things like when did Wolverine get turned like adamantium put in him what exactly yeah when when does this timeline line the, up the, yeah how do you line up the bone claws and the non in the adamantium claws I I feel like they've yeah there's multiple continuities with these movies now especially with the Deadpool one which we're mm. I assume would be in the same like universe it's as in this the same now? universe but Deadpool was actually set when it came out so 2015 or 2016 so that Never like we never got to 2015 or 2016 in the X Men universe. No, but that's not the point that I was making. Right. There was something else that I was going to make. I forgot what it was. Sorry. <laughs> About mutants and something. I don't know. But I yes, don't Deadpool. Deadpool's definitely in this universe, just in a different time year, time period. But there is like these three three new old ones plus the Wolverine. They're all like they can all be mapped together in a timeline it's the 
other ones that are harder to map X one, two, and three, and then the other the bad X Men Origins Wolverine, the bad Wolverine, yeah. Well, to be fair, the Wolverine wasn't exactly terrific. It was just better than better the than bad that Wolverine. One. Um, but yeah, no, I um, I, I'm just not sure, like, because and also because of the ages of the characters and stuff like that. Mm. And now there's definitely two different angels who are two different people. Yeah. Right? Like, at least with everybody else, you can kind of fudge it, but you can't really fudge because, that. Well, you've, no, because you've killed him in 1983, but he's back again in, what, 2004? And younger. Yeah. He is, he is, or, yeah, he's younger, I'm pretty sure, in the current timeline than he was in 1983. So that doesn't make any sense. No. Also, now they've killed Oscar and he can't come back. No. That made me a little bit sad. It did, but Apocalypse, I thought, was a really good villain, which is another thing yeah. when, you th- when you're comparing to Marvel. It's a Marvel Civil War, has that a, was what I was thinking Marvel of. has a villain problem, which it's oh, always yeah. had. And this is a genuinely good villain with good high stakes for and them to also, fight against. like, clear motives that you can understand. Well, yeah, there's a cl- and, and there are clear motives for why his horsemen are attracted to him as well. You can see I why. I don't really get the Storm one, to be honest. <laughs> I think Storm yeah. Storm was a little bit of a strange. She was more bullied into it. Yeah. But I th- but then she kind of sticks with him for a while. Right. And um, she, but she also, I think I can understand though, like her, she, again, she has to live this real hard scrabble existence of stealing and um, having almost no money. And so being able to see power like that and being that, I can understand why she would be attracted to that just to get her out of where she is as much as anything. I'm also amused by the Egyptians in this movie where they had like lots of real Egyptians and then they had Alexandra Ship and Oscar Isaac and you're like, mm. not, they're not, <laughs> nope. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's, like, Look, at least they weren't white people being played by true. white people. That's true, they're not white people. They're just also not Egyptian, not Egyptian people. No. <laughs> um, no. And there are Egyptian people who look like Alexandra Ship and who look like Oscar Isaac. Yeah, is Rami Malek. Them. Is that who you're thinking of? Hmm? Rami Malek. Well, he doesn't look like either of them, but no, but he like he's actually Egyptian and yes. probably has the presence to play the kind of villain. Maybe yeah. in a few years. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I'm not complaining about that casting because it that meant that Oscar Isaac was in the role, but <laughs> yeah, at the is, same time, he is very good. and his eyelashes are so pretty when he's in all that terrible makeup. Mm. Well, it's um, the eyes that make that performance. Yes, it's uh, the eyes that kind of. You and you can see his mouth, and he does a lot with that. Yeah, and but it, like he can't, he can't, he can barely move his head. Right, but you, from his eyes and mouth, you get, you can see all all that charm comes through, and all that sort of you you understand where he's come from. I mean, it is very impressive, but at the same time, he can't move his neck. No. Like every time that he has to turn around, he turns his whole body around to try. And, <laughs> I mean, there were a couple of scenes Just, where I'm like, you can see, and you can also see, like he must have been wearing very high lifts. He was, yes. like, he is not taller than most of the people yeah. that he's in those scenes with. Um, it, that was really entertaining uh, to me. Yeah, I, God I mean, knows how he ever walked anywhere. I guess that's that's why he had to be all-powerful because he couldn't turn – he could nev- never do a head check. <laughs> or, yeah, he has so he has to, to travel by bubble. Yeah. And he can't really walk anywhere because he's got, like, four-inch lifts. Yeah. Yeah, and everywhere he walks, it's really slow. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's this bit at the end where he and, and Sophie Turner are walking towards each other. Um, and, and, and Sophie Turner is like, you can see her, like, pull her, her steps back to walk slower. <laughs> it's a really strange bit. <laughs> like, it looked, mm. cause she's walking in slow motion. So you'd think she could walk at a normal speed, but like, you can see her take a step forward and then her foot comes back a little bit to land uh-huh. so that she's not walking as fast. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. Mm. I don't know. I was, I was nitpicking this at the same time as really having fun watching it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I, I did really enjoy the aesthetic, although there is a clash between the uh, the actual technology of the age and the theoretical technology uh, of the like age. Charles' technology system. of the age. Although yeah. did, didn't he have that in the comics at that point? No, I don't know. I, I spent. Um, I, I I haven't actually read a lot of X Men comics, but I did spend some time in the wiki this morning. I've read. I've read a lot of the Wikipedia's. I've read um um Joss Whedon's run. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if he had those, but it is. But I think he had that technology, that thing that he had, whatever. It's oh, called. Cerebro. Cerebro. But they started making Cerebro in the sixties. Yeah, right? like he had that, but it's it, it oh, looked sixtieser. The one that's in this one doesn't look six. It looks like it's from the like nineties. It totally looks very nineties. Yeah, it it looks like the one that's later on. It doesn't look like something. It doesn't. It it just doesn't look like anything they could make in the eighties. And those robots at the end as well, which is a problem with the last one because they started making robots. The Sentinels in the last movie as well, but yep. but they don't even try to make them look like they're from the eighties. And you see, like Quicksilver's in his basement with his TV and his Miss Pac-Man machine and stuff yeah. like that. And and uh, Oscar Isaac learns things through the TV, like he's um, <laughs> yeah. Lilu or something. Um, but and I was like, oh look, it's the internet of the eighties. I was thinking that too. I was like, well, he's got no internet. I suppose he has to rely on the television. Yeah, he's a uh, Ultron slash Liluing it up. By connecting and just learning everything all at once. Mm-hmm. And English at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, which he learns before he connects. But like he, he, yeah, because he's like learning. Yeah, just as he puts his hand on the TV, you're like, yeah, smooth guys, real yeah. smooth. Also, there's, I don't know why Eric talks to his family in English. I suspect that was just for ease of filming. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of stuff like that where you're hey, like. Yeah. I also, this is also something that I wondered. Also a typically measured you know, appropriate Eric response to a situation. <laughs> it's like, oh, they died. Kill everyone. <laughs> I don't care who they are. Kill all of I them. I know. I know. And, and then he brings down Auschwitz. Like the whole Auschwitz memorial is gone yes. because Eric had a tantrum. Yes. That is, that is a typically like, <laughs> you know, and then, and then he did his typical Eric thing in fights. Flew really high above all of the actual action. Yeah. Yeah. He just flies around. <laughs> Looking majestic and letting everybody else do all of the Look, work. I can just stand up straight in the sky. Look at me. Yeah. Although um, he seems to be conducting the house back together at the end. Yeah, yeah. The, um, floating the, above it. That cracked me up as well. It's like, it's so convenient. There's I so know. many things that just. Lucky so they can rebuild their house because they're mutants. But what about all the other cities that have lost like entire giant buildings? Well, maybe the mutants can help out. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. But also, immediately after that, the house looked exactly the same. Like the trees were back. Yeah. <laughs> everything. <laughs> there must be a mutant as well at Xavier Academy, who's or Xavier Institute, whose whole job is just like making sure the trees look perfect. <laughs> because there's there's no way they're paying a gardener who does all of that work. That's crazy. They'd have to have like a whole team of gardeners or something. Yeah, a house like that would have a team of gardeners and a team of people to look after the inside. You can't. You don't, that's why houses like that fall into disrepair because people can't afford the staff to upkeep them up. So yeah, no, Xavier it's a would it's have all mutants. There might there may be mutants, but yes, there are probably mutant gardeners and mutant housekeepers, and pr- I I imagine there's a mutant butler. I don't know. There are a bunch of times Actually, when no, I was like, there's not how a butler did this people thing just happen? walk into that house all the time. So there's not a butler, but there's <laughs> got to be like at least a housekeeper and a maid or a head cleaner. And there's got to be people doing the gardens, yes. Yeah. Like, look, uh, all that lawn. Mm. Somebody's mowing that lawn. Yeah. I, I don't feel like, oh, God, I don't feel like Xavier Charles has got his own riding mower that he goes around the, the yard with. 
<laughs> you never know. I want someone to draw that fan art. Now it's Charles on his little riding mower going around mowing the lawns. Anyway. Yeah. People, everybody comes out, to, comes to see. Where's the working- professor? Oh, he's out on his mower. <laughs> There's a working bee every Sunday and they mow a bit more lawn and trim some trees. <laughs> that's also what you learn along with controlling your powers. Yeah. Actually, that that's maybe, that is Scott. Trim that shrubbery. Well, actually, maybe it's um um a um that's their form of detention. Is Sunday oh. was <laughs> this like Sunday chores? If you're yeah. in detention, you have to go and do Sunday chores. Um, <laughs> oh dear, I felt really oh. bad for Charles when the school was destroyed. That made yeah. me sad. It was sad. Also, Havoc died, and that was that was sad too. Kind of sad. Mm. I mean, he's the only person who dies in this movie. Mm. I thought, oh, an angel. I thought somebody could have probably bitten it in, in the fight at the end, but mm. nobody does. Um, yeah, and I couldn't remember Havoc from the other movies, so I was like, yeah, whatever, I don't care if he dies. I just and Charles's hair is so it. luxurious in this movie, and then he loses it all. I know, it's lovely. I, I did wonder how they were going to explain that. It was, uh, um, yeah. it was funny. Yeah, I mean, I know, isn't it? He's, they shaved Oscar's head before he did it, and then Charles just loses his hair while he does it. Well, he looks, he looks really good when he's in that sort of lilac t-shirt with his luxuriant yeah. hair, and he's sort of sitting down and leaning back against this sort of desert background. Yeah, he looks so good. <laughs> but that, but that is the point at which I noticed all the grey in his hair because yeah, he was he lo- his hair was so luxuriant, and I was like, poor Charles. <laughs> Or Charles, lucky James, <laughs> yeah, have such luxuriant hair. Or Havoc had really luxuriant hair as well. Oh God, his hair was hilarious. <laughs> as soon as he saw him, such... I snorted. Oh God, his his polo shirt and his stupid floppy hair. Oh my God, I think that's why I just took an instant disliking to him. He well, see, like I did remember him boy. from the other ones, and I liked. I didn't mind him in the other ones. He was a little bit kind of whiny, but he's nowhere near the level of Scott. <laughs> yeah. Also, his powers are different. Seemed different in this movie because I remember he used to do those hula hoop. Once, mm. remember the big hula hoops of fire thing that he used to do? Yeah, he certainly got different ways of doing not just out of his chest like he did in this one. Yeah, so I thought that was weird. Also, he manages to hit one thing that blows up the whole school, but I guess we needed our uh, Quicksilver uh, moment. Moment. Yeah, that, which that Quicksilver. Was, when he saves the goldfish. Oh, I know. He's adorable. And yeah. it's all done to Sweet Dreams, which is just beautiful soundtrack. Yes, there was some fun. I actually thought the whole soundtrack was terrific. Mm. It's like working really hard in this movie right from the start, mm. but I really liked it. Yeah. Anyway. But, oh, that obviously they, the, the best bit of the last film was that Quicksilver set piece. And so they're like, we need to go bigger on the Quicksilver set piece this time. And so they yeah. had that whole big bit where he saves everyone, including the goldfish and the dog and the pizza. <laughs> yes. Pizza dog. There's bits and pieces of this movie. Where, uh, even right from the beginning, I'm like, oh, are we just accepting there's magic now? Like, what was with that gold soul transfer- transferring mumbo jumbo? Also, clearly the prayers don't need to happen in order for it to happen because... It doesn't happen when he tries to do it to Right, but then the prayers are necessary to bring him back when the sun is there, when Moira moves the rug and mm. brings back, you know, brings apocalypse to earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, good job, Moira. Um, yeah. Yeah, all of that sort of stuff. I don't know. It, it's... Uh, there are bits and pieces of it where I was like, that's silly. Yeah, but that's I, sort of not well explained. I think they're no. just like, ooh, mumbo jumbo ancient magic stuff. Yeah, that sort of stuff kind of annoyed me. But overall, I really enjoyed this. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you want to give it a score? Well, seeing as I've said I enjoyed it about as much as Civil War, I have to give it the same score as Civil War, don't I? Three and a half out of five. Um, Yeah, I'll also give it three and a half out of five, which means I gave it a higher score than Civil War, which, you know, people probably have in my head. But... I don't know. It's just it 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 like it is what it sets out to be, mm-hmm. and Civil War is not what it sets out to. I think that's the major issue is that this is like mm. you know you know all the beats it's going to hit and it hits them all and it's 
does it in a fun way, whereas Civil War is like they they try to get there, but the story is just kind of a mess. And there's so much going on, and they're shoehorning bits that shouldn't be in there. And yeah, they've gotten a bit, I think, tired. Whereas the, these, because they're second best, X Men still have to work for it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just seemed like it. It just seems really fun, and and like everybody gets their moment and stuff. Mm. I just didn't feel that with Civil War. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, and Civil War is so much more serious yes. in a way that it doesn't need to be a lot of the time. Mm. Anyway. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to read the show notes or find old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find Katie's review of X-Men Apocalypse or any other movies that she watches, you can look on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we are tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, and at screen underscore queens on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.